Hello everyone, uh, welcome back to the Layman's channel uh, where once again we are going to continue in our Bible studies into the times when Jesus said I am. Uh, so before we uh, venture into the scriptures, um, let's, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are so great and so awesome, that you are the great creator. Thank you, Lord, that you are omniscient. You know everything that's going on in all of our lives. Lord, you know each of our struggles. And I pray, Lord God, that today, through the word, Lord God, that you may be an encouragement to my brothers and sisters, wherever they are in the world. That, Lord, that you would speak to their spirits, Lord God. Lord, that you would bypass all the garbage that's going on in their heads and in the world, Lord God, that they might have difficulties with. And instead, Lord God, may you encourage their hearts through the word. For Lord, your word says that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And that Lord God, that the entrance of your word brings light and will give understanding. So Lord, when you do that, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, once again, I come before you and I thank you for the great and precious promises that you have made me. Lord, when you said that you would anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God. Let it be so, I pray. Use me as that conduit that you promised. But Lord God, that you may be glorified through my lips. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, in our studies so far into the times when uh, Jesus said the words, I am, uh, we've seen that he said these things, that I am the good shepherd, that I am the gate for the sheep, that I am from him, that I am the bread of heaven, that I am from above, and that I am not of this world. Uh, this time I'd like to turn our attention to um, focus our time this week on uh, John chapter 14 and verses 1 to 14 and here we're going to look at some more amazing things Jesus said about himself. So if you've got your Bibles with you um, let's turn to John chapter 14 verses 1 to 14 and uh, we'll read from verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me 
has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Um, I'm not going to start where you might think I'd start in this passage. Uh, that would be far too obvious for me. Um, instead, I'd like to turn our attention to what Jesus says in verses 10 and 11, when he said, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The first thing that we must note is that Jesus here is only talking to his remaining disciples. And that he's talking to them right after Judas had already left to go and betray him. Why choose this time and not before? Well, I do have an opinion about that. And I think that this whole discourse that Jesus was speaking to his disciples from John chapter 14 through to the end of chapter 17, if Judas had been there, would have done one of two things. It would have either given Judas more concrete evidence of blasphemy for him to bring before the Sanhedrin, or worse, might have even convinced Judas not to betray him. It's not that Jesus said anything more than he'd already said, but it did reinforce his previous teachings. Why do I think that way? Why is that my opinion? Well, simply because the things that Jesus was saying here to his disciples would have been mind-blowing, not just to them in that room, but also to his enemies. And if Judas had taken that to his enemies, then I think that their heads would have exploded at what they would have considered to have been blasphemous words of Jesus. Now, if that did happen and they heard him say these things and Judas confirmed them, then they would have taken out Jesus and stoned him to death. For that was the punishment for blasphemy. But as we know from scripture, Jesus had an appointment with crucifixion. Jesus' destiny was not to be taken out and be stoned. His destiny was to be nailed to a cross. 
as David said in the prophetic Psalm 22 in verse 16, he said, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs, an evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And in Zechariah, when uh, the prophet says that they will look upon him whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him. So Jesus' destiny was not stoning, it was crucifixion. Jesus had already had several verbal exchanges on a similar subject with the Jews. And that had resulted in them wanting to stone him to death. Those exchanges you can read about in John chapter 8 and in John chapter 10. And they were all about fatherhood too, where Jesus was quite forthright, especially in chapter 8, when he was challenging their assumptions and claims about Abraham being their father. In fact, he told them to their faces that they did belong to their father, the devil. In John chapter 8 and verses 44 to 45, Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And at the end of that chapter, we read that they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So what's the big deal here? Simply this. When Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, he was reaffirming statements he had already made about himself. He'd already said in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I am and the Father are one. We have to understand that these statements Jesus was making were considered blasphemy to the Jews and should have resulted in his stoning. The response from the Jews is from verse 31 of John 10 and is very telling. Again, note, this wasn't the first time they tried to stone him. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they said, we are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Let's read their response again. We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Claim to be God. And as Shakespeare once wrote, therein lies the rub. Never believe anyone who comes to your door or who preaches from a pulpit that tells you that Jesus never claimed to be God. They will try and bedazzle you with fancy words and they will deliberately try and obscure or bend the scriptures to try and convince you otherwise. 
be steadfast in your faith. The Jews believed he was claiming to be God. Why? Because Jesus claimed to be God. If he claimed no such thing, then the Jews would never have found recourse to want to kill him. And devilishly influenced mankind since then would never have tried to sully the name of Jesus or the truth about him. These people who do are cursed. Paul writes in Galatians 1 and verses 8 and 9, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we've already said. And so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That begs the question, doesn't it? What is the gospel? Paul confirms that the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 1 to 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. I realise and I know and I understand that these things are fundamental to our faith. But it is always good to be reminded of these truths. For as Paul said to, second, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3, for the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. There are many people who claim that Jesus isn't God. And we need to understand that fundamental truth that Jesus did claim to be God. So let's take a look at some more scriptures that bear witness to the claims of Jesus being in the Father and being God. You know, as I said last week, it's always good to, uh, to have everything confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And Jesus is already a witness and the Jews are already a witness because they believe that he claimed to be God. Let's hear what Paul says in Philippians 2 and verses 6 to 11 when he says this. Jesus, who being in very nature, in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death upon a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There are two things to make note of here. One, the natural state of Jesus was to be God. Paul says he was in very nature God. That means everything about Jesus was God. I know I'm constantly quoting from John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1, but these scriptures are the very foundations of our faith. In John chapter 1 and verse 1 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John here is speaking about Jesus, and the Word was God. There are no doubts in that phrase. It was written with complete and utter and total certainty that the Word, Jesus, was God. And in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 to 17 and verse 19, we read that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And in verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. When Paul wrote that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, he understood the very words Jesus himself said to his disciples in John 14 and verse 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. These are also words of certainty. There is no doubt about them. They are in your face, highlighted in fluorescent ink. You cannot ignore them, for they speak of the ultimate truth about our Saviour, that he is in the Father, and that the Father is in him. The second thing to take note of is this, that when we bow and confess Jesus Christ to be Lord, we are confessing that he is indeed the Supreme One. The Greek word used here is kurios, which means supreme in authority. And in Colossians 1 and, and, and verse 18, we read this, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, not some things, not just one or two things, but in everything he might have the supremacy. And there is no one who is more supreme than God Almighty. The truth is that when Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, he was claiming to be God. 
The Jews knew it. His disciples knew it. Do you know it? If nothing else, then look at the miracles and the works he did because of those truths and believe with all that's in your heart. I sincerely hope that you have been encouraged by our study today and that you have been left in no doubt about just who our Saviour Jesus truly is and that he is indeed in the Father and that the Father is in him and that he claimed to be God. I'd like to finish today by quoting a verse that David spoke in First Chronicles and chapter 29 and verse 11, which says this about our God. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you shalom. Amen.